Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, we have Coach Nicole Erickson. We discuss identity in golf, the problem with outcome focus, managing anger and frustration, handling pressure and nerves, how to track your mental game improvement, and other stuff. But before we get into this episode, I encourage you to go take the mental game assessment. It's a 15-minute personality quiz, but for golf. When you complete it, I'll send you a personalized report of your results that will tell you what your mental strengths are and where you can put your effort to improve in a specific way to do it. The link to the assessment as well as the chapter markers for the episode and Nicole's info, how to, how to get in touch with her, how to follow her, is in the show notes. Okay, let's get into this episode with Coach Nicole Erickson. First of all, thank you for doing this. This is this is awesome. I really appreciate it. I um, I discovered you through the the certified mental performance consultant kind of list of people, and yours stuck out to me. So I I I like interviewing you guys because you guys have you have that certification, but you also have been doing it. Um, so I think it's I think it's important to to talk to people like you and. Um, so maybe you could kind of give us just like quick hits of your background, how you kind of got to where you are today. Um, and then we can get into some more details of like how we can help golfers on the psychology side of things. Definitely. So I like to go back to my high school days just because that's really where sport, I mean, sport's always been a part of my life, but I was very involved in basketball. Basketball was my everything. I had big dreams. I wanted to achieve those dreams. So I was very dedicated to the sport. um, And my identity really got wrapped up in the sport. I was really hard on myself, pretty emotional. um, And I started because of that. I think my confidence lacked on that end. But because of the work that I put in, and the dedication to like building IQ within basketball, like understanding the game, my confidence was high in that. Um, but I didn't really know who was going to show up the day of a game. Right. Sure. And so, um, so that kind of, and then I tore two ACLs in high school. So oh. that also did not help. <laughs> um, and one was going into my senior year and that's when I really decided that I wasn't going to play competitively anymore. And I was just going to go to, um, school. And so I got into Florida state, which was my dream school if I wasn't going to play basketball. And I, um, I found out about sports psychology when I was there and I fell in love with it. It was like my new calling because once I learned more about it, I, I figured out, okay, Hey, like this, this is what I needed. This is exactly what I needed when I was in high school. And this would have made me so much better and more prepared. Um, and so I set out to do that and I went to grad school, got my master's at Georgia Southern university in sports psychology, moved home, uh, when I graduated, which was 2020, which was the pandemic Uh, and the job market in sports psychology is pretty low. I would say, Mm -hmm. so I applied to what I could, didn't feel like waiting around for the pandemic or like jobs. So I just started my own business and that's what I've been doing since, Worked with a lot of a lot of different athletes, a lot of different ages, levels, sports. Majority is tennis and golf. Mm, nice. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate the history. Uh I mean, it's crazy how like how common it is for I mean, I see a lot of my own story and yours where it's like, I did this thing, I really struggled 
with parts of it or I got injured or, or whatever. I see so many injuries. Like it's crazy how, how many careers are ended with injuries, but it's like, then I discovered the psychology part of it, man, I could have used that. So now we pour back into it. It's crazy. I, I didn't, I thought I was like, that's my story. Certainly no one, everyone else is just like super smart, but it's crazy. Everyone's an athlete at some point, it seems like, and uses what they could have used now to help other people. So that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's yeah. cool that stories are similar, but I think that just goes to show like a lot of times we don't think, you know, our internal experiences and even our external experiences, it's abnormal, right? Like we think it's not normal and like no one, and I'm crazy and no one else is like feeling or thinking the same thing or going through this. And it's like, well, actually like a lot of people, it's actually a lot of similar stuff. And the more that people recognize that, I think it's going to bring a lot of clarity to the psychology of sport too. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's grown recently. It seems like more, more and more awareness of it. Right. Okay. So maybe let's dive right into, I know you said majority of your players are tennis and golf. So this is the mental golf show. So let's focus on golfers. What, what kind of things, and, and maybe the listener, uh, this could be like a relatability part of it, of that, wow, I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. What kind of things do you tend to see with golfers that come to you that say, I need help? Like, uh, is it, I want to get, I just want to get better at golf or do they have specific things? What, what is your experience with like new golf client? Uh, there's a couple things that come to mind. First thing is consistency throughout, like, a uh, throughout a round. Mm. Um, so like there's a lot of, you know, you're, you have a few good holes and then one really bad hole and then it kind of spirals from there. And the next few will be really bad, really poor. And then you'll kind of build that momentum again. So it's how can, they come in and say, you know, how can I eliminate that inconsistency or minimize it more to where, I, you know, I'm going to get rid of those errors and and have more uh, better, better holes, right, um, sure. to them bring my score down. Um, and that could be, you know, the inconsistency of play could be for a lot of different reasons, right? It could be if it's just mental, right, it could be emotion management, um, outcome versus process like where is the focus and depending on that like if we go focus wise is it process or outcome is it you know are you worried about the past or the future part of that outcome you know are you concerned about score like is there too much focus on that um so that is definitely one thing that I feel with golfers the other thing that I find interesting is it's part it partly goes into identity um so having a lot of success at one point in their lives and then they go cold and it's not the same success, you know, and that is a really tough, and I've had that with a lot of athletes, but that's something that sticks out with golf. It's like, I used to be this good. Why aren't I like, why can't I be that person again? Um, and so it's, it's, it's hard. It's tough. But those were, I would say those are probably the two that come to mind the most. Yeah. Yeah. Those are huge. Um, and I, and, and it sounded like the identity piece was something that you worked on with yourself where you had, and I know I did when it was like, I'm no longer doing this thing as my thing. 
who am I, right? What do I do anymore? Like what, like, what do I do with my life? Like I used to spend eight hours a day doing this thing. Now, what do I do? So with, with players like that, who, who were at one point really good and now are struggling, how would you talk them through it? Would you use like maybe some of your own experience or would you maybe, um, do you have like some methods that you tend to go to with players? How would you talk to someone like that? It's a tough one. And identity can be, can go pretty deep um, just because it, yeah. And so I would say at first it would be more of this, like making peace with where they're at now. And that's really hard to do. Um, so probably at first it would be more so, Hey, let's, let's learn some of these skills that are going to help you. And then we'll grow trust and rapport. And then let's dive into this whole identity piece. Um, which then again, making peace with their, with where they're at now, finding the love of the game again, because now we're focused on, you know, depending, usually it's like, because they were really successful in the past, they were shooting really low. They won all these tournaments and they went to such and such, whatever. Um, it's like, okay, that did happen, but now we're so focused on success and outcome. We gotta, we gotta tone it back. We gotta come back to what is the internal drive of golf? Why did you even start playing at the beginning? Um, who are you off the course and what do you want that to be? Who do you want to be on the course? Because who you were back then, yes, we can take some of those qualities from back then, but you're also a different person. You're a different person. Right. So who do you want to be now? And again, we could take some of those qualities from the past, but let's figure out who you want to be now and really how to lean into that when you're playing. So you have that drive as you're going through it. So when you mess up, there's peace within that. So you can continue on and play and be more consistent. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I love that. The um, kind of, what are your values? Like what is, what are the things most important to you? If, if you're going through a hard time leaning into those, doing those, no matter what, that's, that will sustain you and, you know, eventually get you back on track. It might not be fast, but it eventually will get you back on track. Yeah, exactly. So do you, do you have typical, um, like, techniques that you'll give to players or is it mostly like a conversational type of thing or do you do you say okay based on that thing that you're struggling with or um you know here's here's some between session practice type of things um i guess what i'm looking for is for the people listening to this maybe they're like okay that's me or, you know, I struggle with outcome focus. Like all I care about is my score or I'm so like down about my ability now. What can I do? And I know you're like, I'm asking you to talk to who knows how many thousands of people, but it's like, or hundreds or I don't know, two people listening to this. Uh, but what would you tell them? Like, okay, here's, here's a way that you can work on. Let's, let's take you're overly focused on, um, outcome or score. So here's something I, uh, I would suggest you do the next time you play or what, what would you tell that kind of person? Um, there's a lot of different things. So hmm. the, yeah, but one thing that I usually start off with is just like bringing it, bringing it back to the basics, which sounds so like silly, especially hmm. depending on the level that you're at, but 
that's what it is, right? Because our when you talk to athletes, usually what tends to happen when confidence builds, it's because they're executing, they're showing their mastery hmm. and they get into a flow because of that. Right. Um, and usually when they're in that flow or they're, you know, they're doing so well and they're so confident when a mistake happens, it's easier to let go because everything else is going so well. And so really by going back to the basics and focusing on like two small things, um, within, you know, with golf, it might be like two small things for full swings, two small things for short game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even break that down smaller to like chipping and putting or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but really just focusing on those two things. And again, it depends on who you are because you could you could relate that to swing thoughts. Um, and if you don't like to have those, when you step up to the ball, then focus on the two small things before you start your pre-shot routine. Mm-hmm. Um but it's, it's taking those things, going back to the basics, and really evaluating yourself on those two things. Now where the ball ends up, evaluating yourself on those two things. Did I do those two things when I swung at the ball? Mm. And if I did, I tried my best. That's what I'm focusing on. And I always tell my athletes, when you're choosing those two things, think of something that's going to bring you momentum. That if you continue to do it and stick with it, the shots will start to fall. And you're going to build momentum. And through that, through that execution of the basics and through what you already know how to do, right, um, you are going to build that momentum. Your confidence is going to come. And then you're just going to start flowing, right? And it's bringing it back to that process. And so um, going back to like the first question that you asked, my conversations with athletes can vary. So it's really a mixture of what you said, uh, depending on the athlete and how they feel when they first come into my office, some athletes come in and just start talking and it's more conversational at the beginning. And then we kind of work through and process through some stuff. And then, you know, I start teaching them skills later on. Uh, Sometimes it's skills first because they want to feel safe before, you know, talking about a bunch of different stuff um, and just having those conversations to process through things. Um, and so it's, it, it really is a mixture and it just depends on the person and the athlete and how they feel. And, um, so it's really, for me on my end, it's just going off of how they're doing, right. Sure. And, and meeting them and asking questions and things of that nature. And then, yes, I do give homework between sessions if we go over something, mm-hmm. because the mental side is just like everything else in sport. You got to practice it. There's, there's so many things that our habits or we've been conditioned to do on the mental side, um, that are ingrained. Right. And so many people think, Oh, well, I'll just like listen to this one thing or I'll read this one thing and it'll be a flip of the switch, but that's just like not how it works Mm. (laughs) at all. Um, because at the end of the day, even if it does switch maybe for like a week or two, usually something triggers that and you just go back to like what it was in the past. So, um, there's gotta be practice. There's got to be new learning in there where you're practicing it over and over again so that when it gets really hard, the skills continue to work, right? Yeah. And so I do give homework in between. Yeah, good. Um, I, I love the um, – to in order to get your focus off of the outcome, off of the result, give yourself small focus points, really, really simple focus points, boil them down to be really simple and and so something your brain can handle 
when you're in that performance environment, when you're in that competition, um, or even starting in practice and like working on focusing on those, on those things, do those things really well, let the result be what it will be. And over time, if you're focusing on good things, the result will tag along. Mm-hmm. Is that basically it? Yeah. Yeah. And you cool. want to be specific with the things that you choose. But then that's a, the other thing that I really like about like picking two small, specific, simple things is a lot of times what you hear from athletes is I'm out there and I'm playing and my mind's just going like it's a cluster or it's foggy or it's um, there's just a lot going up uh, going on up there. And I like don't even know what to do anymore or what to choose or what decision to make. And it's like, well, if you just choose, if you go back to those two simple things that you set your mind to before you even started playing, now you have direction. Now you don't even have to worry about what's going on up there. It's like, no, I'm just going to focus on those two things. I'm going to go back to those two things and do those two things. Mm. So, yeah, I like that. I, I I think that's good, simple advice. Um, and it also, I mean, where maybe you and I come into a player's life is, maybe pinpointing those two things, helping the player find those things that's important to focus on. But I don't, it doesn't require someone like you or me, maybe, maybe a swing instructor or someone that can help you find those things to focus on. I think that's important. Um, But you mentioned people coming into your office and talking, whether jumping into conversational or jumping into skills. If you as a, as a younger athlete walked into your office, yeah. what, how would that conversation go? Would it be conversational? Would it be skills? What would you, uh, at, what are the questions you would ask as the athlete? How would you help you? How would that go? Wow. <laughs> I've never been asked that before. All right. Yeah, me neither. I, no one's ever asked me that. <laughs> My mind is going. Um, so I talk a lot. Okay. Yeah. So I'd probably come in and just like unload a bunch mm. of stuff, especially if I was back in high school talking about basketball. But I also am very um, like I want things to work on. I want something that's going to help me. So I would want like an action plan leaving. Um, however, like if we it was me now, that's probably how it would go. I'd probably talk a lot and be like, OK, what do I do? Like, give me something to work on till I come back next time because we need to get the ball rolling on this. Mm. Um, I don't know if I would have been that direct or really know what I wanted when I was in high school. So, yeah, that's probably what would happen. Mm. Um, What I would ask. Am I like back in high school? Yeah. 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 Um, I would probably, which I could ask this a lot too, but I would probably ask like, is this normal? Hmm. The way that I'm feeling. Hmm. Um, I would probably, yeah, I'd probably ask that. Yeah. What would you, what would you say? Or, um, I mean, it, it sounds like a big impetus for what you do now is man, what I wish I had known back then, or man, what I, I could have used me back then. So how would you like help yourself? Like, would you talk about outcome process focus? Would it be, um, what, what would kind of the things be? Uh, how would you help you? Um, I definitely would have talked about identity to me. Yeah. Because that was a huge thing for me. 
Um, I definitely think uh, managing emotions would have been a topic of discussion. I think depending on how com- well, if it was me, I'd probably mm-hmm. think I'd be comfortable, but it would- <laughs> maybe not. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I probably would have got into like in the time of, I probably would have talked about the pressure that I put mm-hmm. on myself and like how to work through that. I would have helped myself work through that um, and process through. I was very focused on, for me, it was more so not wanting to let others down. Um, just like slowing down my mind and it still does this. My mind goes a lot faster than like what my body is doing. Like I'll be writing in a session and I'll like write the wrong letter Mm -hmm. or word because like I I'm thinking ahead already. So probably focus to a lot of stuff, focus too, but Mm -hmm. just being able to slow down mentally. Yeah. Be more present. Okay. So you mentioned managing emotions as one of those things. Yes. Uh, so if a player comes to you and and says, you know, I get really angry. I get like really frustrated with bad shots. And um how would you what would you address with that player? How would you help them manage those emotions? Would it be like let's try to get you not angry at all or or what, what how would you go about that kind of conversation? Good question. Um well that Okay. So first I would say, well, it makes sense that they're angry. No one likes to hit a bad shot. No one does. Um, and no one likes to continue to make the same mistakes in a row either. It's very annoying. It's very frustrating, especially if we can't figure it out. Right. Um, so it makes sense that they're feeling that way. So validate, validating them. And like everyone feels that way. So the fact that you're angry makes sense. The other thing for managing emotions, what I like to talk about is that emotions are there for a reason. They're giving us information. So there's no need to fight with the anger. It's making peace with the anger that is there. Because a lot of times we get angry and we get tangled up in it and we just like explode or we try to like bury it deep and then we just end up exploding later. But it's like, "Mm, you're supposed to feel angry. But just because you feel angry doesn't mean you have to act in anger, right? So it's like, how can we make peace with the fact that we're feeling angry? Because you show up to you show up to eighteen rounds of golf. Most likely, you will feel angry at some point when you're playing, yeah, right, or frustrated. Like that's just it's part of the game. Yeah. So knowing that you're going to feel that way, don't be surprised when you feel that way. Don't be upset when you feel that way. It's coming at some point, and when you feel that way, it's like okay, it's here. Here's the anger. Makes sense that I feel angry. I'm not going to chuck my club into the water, right? <laughs> but like, okay, maybe how can I channel this? Maybe, okay, let me feel this anger and let me just let it let it be with me, right? Mm. And continue to play and focus on those two small, simple things that I need to focus on. And mm. um, so that's really what I'd, I'd do. And then I've actually had some really interesting conversations uh, about like uh, it was a really bad shot, right? Well, sometimes where the ball lands isn't necessarily in our control, mm. which I've had some really interesting conversations with golfers about that. Um, in that, yes, you you're swinging at it, but like, you know, 
you do your course management, you figure out the wind, you figure out, da, 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 you mm. think you see how the ground is, the light, whatever. But at the end of the day, you could hit it and it might not end up being what you thought it would be. And that's just what it is. But mm. now it's like, okay, how can I approach this next one and problem solve this next one? It's always about the next one. Um, yeah. So being okay with wherever the ball ends up too, because that's mm. also part of golf. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, so you're, the way you're talking about it is you can address it on the front end of like managing what you expect out of golf. So that would probably help the flare ups of anger not be so common and not be so strong. But then on the back end, if you do get angry because it's super normal, you address, okay, uh, acceptance of the anger. Uh, like, yeah. all right, I'm, I'm angry. Like that's a normal human emotion. It would be, it'd be weird if I wasn't angry because that means I probably don't care that much. So you, there's ways to address anger in specific, but emotions in general from the front end and the back end. Definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So uh, maybe similar, but uh, another thing you mentioned um, is like pressure. Uh, so a lot of golfers, I mean, every golfer, every athlete at some point probably feels some kind of pressure brought on. Well, I'll ask you this. Um, maybe what are the things that can cause pressure? And then what should we do about that feeling? A lot of things can cause pressure. But at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, what you perceive it as. So like when I was a young athlete, right, part of me putting pressure on myself was my parents investing in me. You know, I did, that didn't go unnoticed. And so when it became crunch time, you know, summer going into my senior year, um, and I hadn't, you know, no offers yet. It's like, okay, well I got to make something happen. Cause if I don't play mom and dad's investment has gone to waste. Right. So, but they've, they never, they never put pressure on me. Mm, right. <laughs> they were very like, you know, oh, you want to, you want to do this? Okay, let's like. I mean, obviously, we would have conversations. It wasn't just like do whatever you want, but mm. um, we would work through those things together. But they were very supportive. It wasn't like you have to go to college and play in college, right? That's like, duh, right, 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 right. Um, and so, I think pressure comes from the way that we perceive things. Uh, and, and really that feeling of pressure, you hear some athletes, well, it's like, I thrive off of it. Some athletes, I cripple under it. At the end of the day, there's always going to be pressure. So it goes back to, like you said, it goes back to anger. Like you will feel nerves at some point. If you're the lead of a tournament, um, and you have four holes left <laughs> more than likely you're going to be feeling nerves yeah. and pressure. Yeah. People like, Newsflash. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like yeah. that's just what it is. So it's, mm. The capacity to to handle pressure, building the capacity to handle pressure, not because you can't get rid of it. Mm. You just can't. It's not. It's not in what you do. That's just what it is. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, it goes back to to making the peace with the fact that there will be pressure, and how can you handle it best? How can you make peace with it and execute the way that you want to execute and stay focused on the things that you need to stay focused on. Mm. That's really good. It, it almost everything comes down to a list of what can I control? What can I not control? Let's focus on the things I can control. It's 
to keep it, if you want to like really make it super simple, that's mm-hmm. kind of it, right? Right, right. Yeah. But it's really talking about what is in your control and what is out of your control, right? Because right. like the, the good, the most interesting ones is results because some athletes will say results are in your control. It's like, well, if they were, you'd win all the time. So it's not in your control. Yeah. And the same thing with emotions and thoughts. A lot of athletes would put that in the ad, uh, in your control. But if we could choose not to feel angry and feel nervous, we probably would choose not to. But guess what? We still feel those things or those thoughts that come up that you don't want to come up. Guess what? Can you control those? Mm-hmm. No, because no. then you wouldn't have them. So, right. so it's learning how to mm-hmm. manage them and make peace with them and yeah. let them be as they come up and yeah. focus on what you want to focus on. Yeah, That's huge. I, I mean, every, everyone I have on, um, that either is CMPC or from a psychology background of some kind, or has just been in the industry for a long time at some point says acceptance. It's really acceptance. Like I, I like the way you put it, making peace with it. Um, because that that's like, would be the opposite of fighting it, right? Trying to change it in some way. It's like, okay, I'm just going to coexist with this thing. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just exactly. how it has to be. Yeah. And and when we fight it, it's exhausting mm. and it's tiring and it takes away your focus. Mm. Yeah. So like, well said. Yeah. 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 Okay. So on, we, we've got all these kind of things that we can address. So let's say someone wanted to like, they can, they can track their improvement physically on their physical game. Like mm-hmm. I've, I was hitting 11 greens around. Now I'm hitting 13 greens around. I've gotten better at approach shots or my, my putting has improved, whatever strokes gain, whatever, like there's stats for that kind of stuff. How, how do you think about tracking psychology improvement or mental game improvement? Is there a way? Is there not a way? Is it just how you feel? How do you think about it? I go with it's how you feel. Now, a lot, of, I, I get a lot of pe- people like numbers, people sure. like quantify stuff because it gives you an exact answer, but it's hard to do that. Like I, it's really hard to do that. Um, you know, I've had people, well, why don't you just measure body language and why don't you like, uh, you know, pay attention to this when they're playing and da, da, da. it's like, I don't know what's going on while they're playing. Like, and also like with my approach, if they look down for a split second or their body language goes down, but in their minds, they're working through the skill that we're talking about to manage emotions. It's like, mm. they're doing what I want them to do. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. You right. know, even though the body language isn't matching that. Um, and so I get iffy with that. I, I, mm. And it's hard too, because you, you know, you go off of what they, the athletes tell you, but I think that's where trust and honesty comes in. You know, if they really want to improve, they're going to be honest with you and themselves. That's yeah. just, they're going to take ownership. Yeah. And if they don't, there's a fear there or there's not enough desire to want to improve. Mm. So that's just kind of, that's the way I see it, but I'm there's probably other opinions. Well, that. yeah. And there might be ways to track. Um, but at the end of the day, it's self-reported. It's how you feel. And, and some pe- some person can, 
on some objective measure be way ahead, but feel like they're worse. And that person needs, has work to do. And some person might be objectively way behind, but they feel simple and good and confident. And I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. So and on self-report measure, they're way ahead. So it's, it's, it's very subjective, right? But it's, it's individual and it's tangible to that person internally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the other reason why I say the self-reporting or just like talking with them, there's already so many evaluating and measures and numbers mm-hmm. and, and all of it, it's result-based. Yeah. So why am I going to be another person that's tracking them and trying to like put a number to how they feel emotionally, mm. you know, always being positive or always being mental tough, mentally tough. Like that's not what I'm here for. Sure. I'm here to, I'm here to help you. Hmm. We can track how, how often you feel like you're practicing the skills on the course, right. To have accountability toward, Hey, am I actually working on these things? Hmm. Right. Cause that'll give us a better idea. Hey, what's stopping you from doing it more? How can we do these skills more? But I don't want to track if you were 50% of the time positive, cause it's just another number that they're given about themselves. And it's like, for me, it's, that's not what it's about. And I want to be the opposite of everything else. That's awesome. Uh, I think that's a great way to be. Okay. So let's, let's wrap up with you. Um, two, two more questions, one for the podcast and one for you. If you could say the percent of golf that's physical and percent that's mental, what would you say uh, with the asterisk that you're a little bit biased based on your profession, but what would you say? 80, 20, 80 being mental, 20 being physical. Okay. But I would throw, I would throw, because if we, because there's four, there's four things. There's also strategy And while strategy, I don't consider mental. I do think it's Mm. like a thinking process. Sure. So I would probably throw that in with mental. Sure. Because course management is, I mean, just like any other sport, right? That's also very important. And I think that can be deemed. But I do believe mental is very high. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you. We're both biased a little bit, but I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Okay, so where could people go to find more about you? This is the platform's yours. What what do you want people to know about you? Where can they find you? Um, so they can find me on Instagram. I'm probably like on there the most. Um, it's at Coach Nicole period E. And then my Facebook is the same, but again, I'm not very active on Facebook. Um, and that's probably the best way to find me. My website's on there. Um, I have some cool free resources on my Instagram. So I would just say go there and nice. check it out. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. This has been a pleasure. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get some like very concise, good, helpful stuff to actually go do, which is what I'm trying to do here. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to, glad to be a part of it. All right, everyone, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nicole. I really liked the focus on two things as your process rather than worrying about outcome of the shot or your score. I think that's super important for uh, having having something to focus on that 
isn't the the roller coaster of emotions that a round of golf can be. Instead, you can focus on your process. We've all heard that cliche, focus on the process, but that gives you a simple, clear thing to to be your goal for that day, to be your priority. That's something I talk with my players uh, about all the time. Uh, I, I get I get too I'm too much of a roller coaster of emotions. How can I figure that out? Well, find something that um, gets you excited, gets you uh, draws your focus is is a priority for you that isn't outcome of the shot or outcome of the hole or outcome of the uh, of the entire round or how you compare to other people. Give yourself that um, kind of internal priority. I think that's uh, incredibly important, and I love the way Nicole talked about it. So if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you shared it with someone. The stats tell me that this show gets passed around a lot, uh, which is awesome. I'm not sure what people's specific reasons are for sharing it, but a good one might be that someone came to your mind as you were listening. So uh, maybe send it to that person and, and say, hey, at, at you know minute marker 12, um, I, she talked about this and I, I thought it would be important for you to hear or, or whatever, whatever reason you have, but that might be a good one. Um, and if you love the mental golf show, just in generally, uh, and you're feeling really generous, go leave a review for the show in Apple podcasts or Spotify or both. I don't know, uh, wherever you listen, um, there might be a way to review it. Um, so five-star review on Apple podcasts or Spotify, uh, helps the show get out and helps other people learn uh, this important information. And as I always mention, uh, the info in this episode is just for general info purposes. It can't address your specific needs and goals. So if you need more help, you should work with someone, uh, you know, a professional. You should work with an actual licensed professional, or you can work with someone like Nicole or myself. We specialize in this stuff, and it's our job to take in all the information out there and distill it into a way that helps you have a better relationship with the game so that you can play your best. That's our goal. That's our purpose with what we do. And if you'd like to learn more about working with me, you can send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com or you could head to my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Mm-hmm.